Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. State Senator Nate Libby is in. He's learning all about the wonderful world of spot editing today. Good morning, Senator Libby. How are you? Have you learned a lot morning. this morning? You Good learned morning. learned a lot with us. I understand why they pay you the big bucks. Yeah, it really it really is. It's yeah. really that's I just glad you heard that and thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I can just imagine a young Matty B in uh, kindergarten class just thinking, you know, he he wants to spend his days when he's a working professional hearing the same. Two second loop over, over and over, over and, and over. over again. Yes, you know when I can was. Can we tweak this at all? Can what, we cut it? Can yeah. we add to it at the? Uh, what do we do with this? <laughs> when I was when I was five years old, I think I wanted to like be a major league baseball player, and then I realized, oh wait, I'm not that good. So that that is really where I am today. Mm-hmm. And now I am listening to jingles on a loop sometimes, and it's tremendous. It's like a skipping CD, only it's happening in front of you. So let's talk a little bit about Real ID. Um, this can create a rather large problem for Mainers that are out, you know, trying to, I don't know, get on a plane or conduct business. You know, the rest, the way the rest of America seems to be able to. What's what's the issue here? Why are why are we still stuck behind this again? What what are we doing? Back in 2005, the Maine legislature, along with four or five other states decided that they were not going to go along with the federal government's Real ID program. They took a stand saying, we don't believe that uh, Mainers' privacy rights are properly protected, so we are going to basically protest Real ID. We're not going to comply. So that was uh, 12 years ago. In the interim, you have about 45 states who've gone through um, all of these hoops to comply with the federal Real ID um, program, and the feds are now saying that um, so we're pretty serious, and uh, you had a long time to comply. You haven't complied, so uh, main driver's licenses will not allow main people uh, to get on commercial aircraft um, or enter federal facilities. So this is a major problem, and I think 12 years ago the thinking was that if enough states said no to the feds, that the feds would kind of back off, but kind of the opposite has happened. Um, so now folks are scrambling, and in the legislature, we're working on two different uh, issues. One is trying to provide immediate relief for veterans who need to access southern Maine uh, VA health centers in in, um, in New Hampshire. Um, we have a bill on the governor's desk that would provide funding to help uh, veterans get um, real ID certified IDs to get access to health care. Then number two is the bigger issue, bringing the whole state into compliance, and that's a bill that... Uh, is moving through the process. I expect it's going to pass, and I expect that we will not have a major crisis around Mainers trying to get on airplanes and, and access federal facilities. We are talking with State Senator Nate Libby. We will have more with him on the way. Coming up, we'll be talking about the two-year budget. Also going to be talking about the state testing audit uh, in terms of like a, a potential audit of state testing stuff for, uh, for kids. Also, uh, workforce development. And uh, there's a potpourri in there. We'll never know what you might pick. Potpourri means uh, I might already know what I'm going to pick. We'll see. 811, 36 degrees, means Big Z. 
818 and 37 degrees outside. That was Rag and Bone Man with Human. State Senator Nate Libby continues with us now. Let's uh, get into this uh, two-year, $7 billion budget. Still lots of talks all, all around that, I assume. When When is that expected to be passed, and how many hours late into the night is that going to have to be done? Like, what, Is there a deadline for that? before The, the deadline is 11.59 on June 30th, which is the minute before the next fiscal year starts. So, okay. Um, we do a great job of filling all the space and time that is given to us to do any particular project, so... We expect it'll it'll take until that time. But the this two-year budget is uh, a major document. I have it uh, printed out in my office. It's a three and a half inch binder, double-sided, um, and it covers everything from marine resources to our state parks, health and human services to keeping our schools going and um, keeping our roads paved. So it's a lot of uh, different pieces to it. The governor's proposed a, a number of um, changes to how we do things at the state level. Um, just a few of them I'll rattle off quickly is. Um, changing how education is paid for and removing administration from the portion that the state will pay to help schools um, run their school districts. Um, That's number one. Number two is uh, a major change to the tax code, uh, lowering the top income tax rate, um, getting rid of the homestead exemption for folks that are under 65. And then on the health and human services front, um, there's some major changes there with how providers of all kinds of health care services are reimbursed. The net result is about $150 million a year reduction in um, the monies that flow through to help pay for these providers. So a number of big changes that uh, the legislature is debating currently, and we'll see where we end up as the spring progresses. Testing, state testing for kids. Of course, a lot of that going on. Um, I think my kids just had it last week or something like that. Uh, I know you've been working on a number of bills uh, since you spoke to last time. One of them was an audit of standardized testing in Maine. Uh, what would be behind that, and uh, what would the end goal be of it? So we're trying to get a handle on all of the different kinds of standardized tests that are administered in Maine schools today. It's a heck of a lot different than when you and I were in school and we did the MEA every fourth um, year in school. And the Iowa test. Don't forget the Iowa right, test. Right, and then right. the best part about the Iowa test was if you made like the, the X where you go, a and then the next answer B and then C and then D and then just went all the way down right. back and forth. Yeah. Like typically you'd still do as well as everybody else. It was really bizarre. <laughs> we had very different ways of how we were going to do that test. I, I sunk my teeth into it. I was well, really competitive. Well, this is, and this is why you are where you are and I'm sitting over here. Yes, there you go. All right. Anyway, back on track here. So standardized testing uh, in Lewiston, we've got uh, more than a half a dozen different tests that are administered each year. Um, at each grade level. It's really out of control. It's, it's making it very difficult for teachers to teach in the classroom. And a lot of us are saying, well, what value do we get out of all this testing? So the audit is um, calling um, for an independent agency. It's called uh, MEPRI, Maine Educational Policy Research Institute, to conduct an audit, a randomized audit of standardized testing and be able to show policymakers Here are the tests that are working. Here are the tests that don't make any sense. Here are the tests that are expensive and don't actually provide results. Here are some tests where the students taking the test actually don't even care, so that's why the results are looking so poor. Um, And it's really an attempt to illuminate this conversation around standardized tests and how far we've gone over the edge of rationality. Hopefully none of the kids listening were like, oh, I could just do the up-down thing. Yeah, don't, don't, don't do that, kids. Don't. 823, more with State Senator Livy on the way. 37 degrees, Maine's Big Z. Always online, mainsbigz.com. Continuing now, State Senator Nate Libby. 
Um, you know, we we talked about this uh, a little bit earlier. We we touched on it. Now we're going to get into it. Um, fraud in the electricity market. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that. We got to watch for fraud in the electricity market now. Yeah, it's a little bit shocking. Uh, zapped on that. Folks, yes, need to get you know prepared to be zapped on some of their yeah, really bills. Um, but uh, yeah, some fight shock, the power, shock. if you will. Fight. Yeah. <laughs> Fighting the power. Yeah. Shocking revelations. Shout out to Snap for Fight the Power, yep. by the way. Yeah. Anyhow, um, the uh, state deregulated its electricity supply market many, many years ago. And over the last couple of years, a number of us have been seeing advertising for um, new electricity supply from uh, main companies like Electricity Maine, for example, advertising you know, humongous savings over the standard offer from CMP or Emera. Um, what has happened, though, is that a lot of folks who uh, signed up for those initial offers um, were then re-upped um, and automatically renewed for multi-year contracts at 50% higher rates, 75% higher rates. And recent investigation by the Bangor Daily News showed that Mainers overpaid something on the order of $50 million or more um, by signing up with these so-called competitive electricity supply um, providers. So um, I think this is a major, um, major issue, and, you know, it's the same electricity, um, whether it's going to your house, Maddie, or my house, or wherever, um, to pay in the aggregate over $50 million more, that's money that didn't go into the economy. And if these companies were signing folks up again for multi-year contracts at double-digit rate increases without their knowledge, that's a major issue. So my legislation that uh, got a unanimous vote out of the Energy Committee last week would prohibit these competitive electricity suppliers from signing people up again automatically, um, disclosing when rates are higher than the standard offer rate, a number of other consumer protections, and then another piece of this is directing the PUC to conduct a um, a bona fide investigation of this market and to come up with conclusions how we prevent this kind of stuff from happening again. Talk with State Senator Nate Libby. Let's talk a little bit about workforce development, um, something that I know a lot of uh, business owners are, are waiting on as, as they continue to, to lose workers and uh, looking for more. Right. Um, this is the number one issue I've been hearing about from main companies, I would say two, three, four years ago. A lot of business owners were talking about regulations and taxation and healthcare costs, and the conversation, from what I'm hearing, has really shifted almost exclusively to workforce issues. Um, you've got healthcare providers that are losing um, their workers to, you know, folks in the fast food industry because because those folks are uh, paying, you know, twelve, thirteen, fourteen dollars an hour for a base wage, so that's an issue. Um, you've got folks that are retiring out of the workforce and not enough young people coming behind them to fill those jobs, and so that's an issue. Um, You've got companies that are trying to prevent some of their older workers from retiring um, because they're worried about workforce shortages, and again, who's going to follow that worker after they retire. So I I think big picture, and most economists would agree, that we've got to figure out a strategy for um, making sure that our young people, um, after they graduate from high school and graduate from higher education, um, stay in Maine, work in Maine, raise a family in Maine. Um, the idea that's been prevalent for 10 or 15 or more years that our young people have to move away to find a good career, it's just not true. Um, 
there are so many jobs available today where folks can work a career and make a good living right here in the state that I think it's incumbent on a lot of us to make sure we're talking to our kids and our grandkids about the options of staying and working here in Maine. Um, but ultimately, that's the that's the big issue is figuring out how as a state, um, you know, a government, um, the business community, the nonprofit community, educational community, we've all got to be working together to make sure we keep as many young people here as possible, as well as open up our borders to try to attract um, technically professional people from outside of Maine to make Maine their home. We are talking with State Senator Nate Libby. We'll have more with him on the way. You are listening to The Breakfast Club, 843, 38 degrees, live on the corner of Center and Bradman in Auburn, Maine's Big Z. Maine's Big Z, more music, better variety. Wrapping up with State Senator Nate Libby. As he joins us monthly here. You know, we, we talked a little bit about some of the bills you'd, uh, you'd been working on. Um, there was a, a law about uh, regulating assisted living facilities with dementia and Alzheimer's patients. Can you uh, provide an update on that one? Yeah, this one is basically trying to create a, a new classification for assisted living facilities that cater to folks with Alzheimer's and uh, dementia and folks with memory impairments. So under the current law, um, there are different uh, requirements for how many staff you should have at one of these places at any given time. And, and so the requirements for the overnight shift is basically if you've got 60 um, folks at your residence with dementia, Alzheimer's, or other memory issues, you only need to have two people on staff there. And so you can imagine a situation where out of 60 people, um, one of these folks has an accident, they fall, they require attention. Both of the staff are um, called over to attend to that person. Meanwhile, 59 other residents who, again, have severe, uh, severe cognitive impairments basically have no one watching over them. So this bill is really about safety of moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas who um, have severe memory impairments, making sure they're properly being taken care of while they're at assisted living. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the uh, referendum questions. Uh, question one on marijuana legal legalization. There was a uh, refer, uh, kind of a moratorium on everything. Basically, like it seems like the freeze or the pause button was hit for a year. Similar to like Zach Morris and Saved by the Bell when he wanted to talk to the camera. <laughs> um, only nobody's talking to the camera here in this situation. What's, uh, what's the latest update on, on uh, marijuana legalization? The referendum that was passed by voters had a, a nine-month moratorium built into it, and so the legislature added a few months to it to make sure we had enough time to work out all the kinks in this regulatory system. Um, it's a pretty complex arrangement where you've got a brand-new market that for years has been um, a black market, and trying to bring it under regulation is, um, is, a, is a significant challenge. So... Working through things like how is this product going to be taxed? How is the tax going to be collected? Um, where are the funds going to go when the when the tax has been collected? You know, those are big important questions. And then you've got other operational questions like what do you do when somebody is found to be operating under the influence of marijuana? It's a legal product now, but you know, how do we determine whether um, their driving is impaired or not? And then what tests do you use to determine that? Um, then you've got workplace issues. Um, you know, this this using the substance may now be legal, but um, there's certainly provisions um, in the law where you'd want employers to be able to restrict whether a person can be impaired or not. So, you know, a person driving a truck or a school bus or that kind of thing. 
So you can see that, you know, there are all kinds of complex issues that need to be worked out with this um, new law. And that's what um, a special subgroup of the legislature is working on um, uh, now is trying to get a handle on all those big, big questions. Talking with State Senator Nate Libby. He joins us each month here on The Breakfast Club. Of course, he will join us next month as well. And the month after that, keep you up to date on everything. Uh, any uh, Anything so far? Any updates on the 3% income tax surcharge for education funding? Uh, any any updates on that? Um, we're certainly, certainly getting a lot of um, lobbying on that from folks who are for the referendum, folks that are against the referendum. The one thing that I think is coming through is that Across the board, people who are talking about this particular issue all agree that schools need to be funded at a level that's higher than they are today, um, which I think is progress in the grand scheme of things, because we know that, uh, particularly in this community, class sizes are too high, um, teachers are are paid too little, um, and all of that. So um, there's nothing really concrete to report other than, um, you know, the Senate Republicans, the House Republicans, are, are very strong in their position, saying we need to get rid of the 3%. The Democrats in the legislature are very strong in saying we need to keep the 3% and keep the will of the voters intact and fund our schools properly. Um, so when you have two opposing sides sort of digging in, I think folks would agree that probably the resolution will be in the middle. And so stay tuned on that. State Senator Nate Libby joins us each month. Senator Libby, thank you very much. Thank you, Manny. More on the way, 55 and a half, 39 degrees, live at the corner of Center and Bradman in Auburn. It's Maine's Big Z.